there, and welcome to the fourth episode of the Consumed Podcast. It's the podcast where we are consumed by and are consuming video games and various other forms of popular media. My name is Ben Fox, and I'm joined by my lovely wife. Hello. Hello, everyone, and hello, uh, Ben. And her name is Katie, by the way, just <laughs> to make that clear, sorry. I'm just not How... just named lovely wife. <laughs> How are you doing? I am pretty good. I can't believe it's episode four already. That's almost five episodes. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> month, a month's worth. That's wild. So as ever, we're going to start with Starter because this program is inexplicably split into three mealed parts. Um, Starter is where we discuss just how our week's been, things we've been doing outside of video games. What do you think, Casey? How's it been going? You know, not not too bad. I was determined to not talk about the weather today. So okay. instead, we're going to talk about sports. Oh, great. <laughs> Which I knew that you were going to be so excited about. But uh-huh. since um, the world is not normal right now, the sports that I've been consuming recently are also um, not normal. Okay. Um, normally one of the things that I look forward to when I come home is, when I come home to uh, Michigan, is the chance to watch Michigan teams lose live on TV (laughs) in real time. Um, but that privilege has been taken away from me at this point. So I had to get a little creative with my sports consumption. So... The last few weekends, I've been watching, I think in America, we have ESPN is like the main sports network. But since there are no actual professional sports happening, ESPN2 on the weekends has been rebranding itself um, as the Ocho, which I think is from the movie Dodgeball. Okay. Where they play they play ridiculous sports because you're like you know we have ESPN one, ESPN two, ESPN three, ESPN college. Yeah. So the Ocho is like ESPN eight, and it covers <laughs> you know ridiculous sports. So a few weeks ago, I was watching. They had a full day of you know like random sporting events. So I watched a rerun of. The stone, the world championship stone skipping. Wow! People just standing by the lake and, um, you know, skipping stones. I, what I, sort of numbers were they getting? Some of them got like seventy to eighty skips on their stone. What? They had because the, the person I was watching, it was like he was the world record holder for stone skips, and it was. Wow. And, like, they had commentators who were, like, going wild over these, like, oh, that's a great skip. It's a great skip that we've got (laughs) out here. They were, like, analyzing the conditions of the water. And so that was one of them. I think they had um, cup stacking on after that. There's been a lot of replays of dog shows, which I'm all for because I love a good dog. So (laughs) that's what some of the sports channels in america have resorted to i also have to give a shout out to my bff lena if she's listening to this because she recommended or she showed me um 
the world of YouTube marble racing. Wow, that I, does sound good on paper. I do, I don't know if you're being sarcastic or not, and I don't no, care. No, no, I'm, no, I'm not. No, genuinely, I'm not. So if you look up, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name. I think that he's from like, I want to say Denmark or something like some some country, some country. Oh, yeah. His name is Je- Jella Jelly, J E L L E, does marble races on YouTube where he designs and like digs out an entire course for marbles to run, and the courses are so intricate and so interesting to watch. And then like he's got stat sheets that come up for all the marbles that are racing. And I first saw it, I was like, this is ridiculous. But then by the end of the race, I'm like cheering for white widow the marble to like overtake (laughs) blue ocean or whatever and it and his commentary makes it so fun to watch and i think really is filling a filling a void in my my heart that i don't have from live sports right now so give it a watch that does sound genuinely not sarcastically genuinely entertaining (laughs) yeah yeah, it was really cool and i think that even now he's like recreate recreating some formula one race tracks and like having the marbles run through them it's like the the marble olympics or something <laughs> so it's pretty fun cool. wow they, they are both very interesting and unique ways to spend your time aka weird ways <laughs> <laughs> yeah I've, I've i'm afraid i've had a very conventional week i've not got a lot to add on last week still running doing push-ups now Mm, that's an interesting development i don't Um, think i could do a single push-up if you paid me so i can't do that many (laughs) upsettingly um but as far as media goes i suppose i've been reading um the witcher Uh, the second book that tv series that we can't watch because ben hasn't finished reading the books yet (laughs) yeah i'm i'm a big fan of the witcher series although i've only finished um the wild hunt the third game i don't own the second one um so i started reading the books and allegedly then the well-regarded netflix show is based off the first two books Mm. and i've read the first one but i've not finished the second one so i've been trying to get through the second one because i've said to katie we're not watching it until i've I've read the content on which it is based. Um, so I made some. I've made some good progress about a quarter of the way through it. It's That's really, good really good. They're really. <laughs> I've been. I mean, I've been on about a quarter of it for the last four months. Yeah, the whole but, series uh, has been out going on a year. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, we are um, behind. But I, I crossed. Like, I think I was reading it to get through it, and in tiny little bits after work. But I had a, an actual session reading it for an hour or two, and I really got into it. So um, nice. it's it's really good. It involves um, important uh, sort of the origins. Well, so it follows Siri, who's a very important character in Witcher lore, more than the original mm. um, Last Wish did. So um, yeah, really impressed so far. But we'll continue to do that. I've also, as far as watching things, it will excite you to know, Katie, that I've been watching your favorite TV program again. And I've, it's not your favourite. I was be, I was being sarcastic that time. Uh, what's a programme that I love and you hate? Is it Peep Show? Yeah, yeah, Ugh. yeah. yeah. From, the, from the beginning, I was like, oh, it's been, it's been a month. Time to go back into the world of Mark and Jez. Um, if you're 
if you're an American listening to this, just don't. <laughs> I, well, I, I will admit, I've gotten more into British programming the longer that we've been dating and married. I've made it through the British office. There are, are some British TV shows that I genuinely enjoy, but Peep Show makes me so uncomfortable, I want to throw up. <laughs> so awkward and so yeah. unpleasant to be a part of that <laughs> it it is unpleasant it is unpleasant but it's also hilarious and raw and real Debatable. and i see i see so much of myself depressingly in the character of mark corrigan and you again i'm sure most people are aware but the the central conceit is that um, instead of watching sort of a normal sitcom where you see everything in third person, you switch between first person. So um, you're often hearing the inner monologue of a character and watching the things happen through their eyes in first person, and it sort of switches between. Uh, Katie's not impressed, um, but it stars Mitchell, David Mitchell, and who I Robert do really Webb. like, David Mitchell. I've come to really yeah. enjoy his comedy. But he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, and it it's just it's it's so wonderful like so many of his foibles and his anxieties i just relate to on a primal level uh, and the way it it sort of expresses these anxieties in in a really cathartic and enjoyable way and it makes you just think yes someone else is as weird as i am um, but also it's really funny it's and it's next yeah. level cringe there is a lot of there is a lot of cringe. It also stars Olivia Coleman, who's now oh, gone yeah. on to, you know, win Oscars. Um, so I I think it's really good. But yeah, if you watch the British, if you're American, you watch the British Office and you thought that's a little bit too cringeworthy you for will me. You literally won't... not survive Peep Show. Yeah, yeah. But the flip side of that is I know some Americans who <laughs> love Peep Show. So uh, yeah, so there's that. <laughs> not this um, American. But, but yeah, I, it's it's the show I go to along with Frasier where that I just need something in the background that is comforting and r- reminds me of my past. <laughs> so while I've been playing games, I just just have peeps running in the background. Uh, anyway, that, I think that's made me sound a bit sad. So we'll uh, move <laughs> we'll move on to our main course, which this week is um, the wonderful Control um, by Remedy Games. And as a special treat, we are joined by my brother Harry who is um, knowledgeable in all things Remedy. So yeah, we'll uh, take a quick break and we'll see you after it. And welcome back to the main course of the Consumed podcast. And this week, we're talking about a very special game, one I completed a couple of weeks ago, Control by Remedy Entertainment. Um, And to discuss this... Um, because I know he's a stalwart fan of the company and he really loved the game, um, is my brother, Harry. Hello, Harry. Hello. Welcome. Hey, hey, hey. You're the first guest that this podcast has ever had. I hope you feel <laughs> uh, privileged. What a milestone. Yeah. It is indeed. <laughs> but we're not um, going to pay you. Oh, no, not, <laughs> not, not even in recognition, which is what a lot of people <laughs> do free things for. You, no one's going to listen, but don't worry. Um <laughs> so before we move on to control then um how's quarantine treating you mate what have you been up to uh just finishing school and now it's finished it, i don't know it's just getting Looking up. into the void it, now that it's pretty finished, much yeah <laughs> join the void staring club yeah, yeah. Like the rest of us 
Cool, cool. We've been playing anything good? Just been playing Devil May Cry again. And nice. apart from that, no. <laughs> and we started, uh, I hope you don't mind, the, I can cut this out if you don't mind me sharing, but we started a weekly Devil May Cry drawing session, didn't yes, we? Yes, we did. Um, so on Saturday, we uh, there's like a, I don't know, where did you get the long list of things to draw from? I don't know. Cool. I think I was looking for references in my project, and then I think it just came up, and I was like, oh, okay then, I will... Yeah. you know use that so i did so every week it gives us something new from the devil may cry video game series specifically to draw. from devil may cry uh-huh. yeah yeah, yeah. Wow. so so um to number one obviously is draw dante the protagonist so but we didn't even finish that one today so it might no. take us there are 30 different drawings <laughs> so it'll take us most of a year um so that's that uh right then let's move on to control and before we move on to the game itself, let's think about Remedy. Um, so, Harry, you've played many more of these games. Well, certainly, I know you've played at least one that I haven't played. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of the other games that Remedy's come out with, and what did you think of them? Well, one I haven't played, but I think we all know is their most probably the most popular release was the first two Max Payne's. Um, yeah. So they released those two. Um, and then there is the cult classic Alan Wake. And then the two games they've released on this current gen, which is Xbox exclusive Quantum Break and Control. So that is their kind of the ones that people know about. I wouldn't say I know many more than that from Remedy, Um, but they've become quite Have you played much Max Payne? I played the Rockstar one, which was the third game, but it was... Yeah, that's the only one I've played. But um, from what I can gather from the previous... Two, it's uh, pretty um, not nowhere near as good as the first two. If it, it feels no, oh, what um, the Rockstar one? Yeah, no, yeah. yeah. It, it's strange because I think Max Payne was quite ahead of its time with its slow mo mm. shooting mechanics, and it, visually it was quite impressive. Um, it doesn't strike me now. Not I've not really played them, but they don't strike me as sort of weird as some of the other Remedy games. That's what think. I was going to ask about because I again, I mean, I don't really do a lot of publisher video game publisher studying for the video <laughs> game podcast sorry but i was That's gonna right. ask about what the general like genre of other remedy games is well what do you think Harry? i mean it, it's weird um because in a sense every remedy game even max Payne, to some extent has that you know very odd kind of idea and and i think that's mm. what what Remedy does is they they delve into these supernatural themes because it's something new, something different. And that's, I think, what I admire a lot about Remedy's games, especially on the last generation, this generation, is they're very different. Um, I think it's very difficult, um, especially anywhere very close, to find a game that is similar to Remedy. I mean, sure, we've all, all had, all must have played at least one game with maybe time mechanics or a game with yeah. uh, telekinesis mechanics, but they're all completely different. And, and I think um, what makes a game like Alan Wake so um, different is because it is different. I, I, I can't think of a single game where I've had to, you know, uh, clutch a, a flashlight and a revolver and yeah. just hope that I don't die you know that is very different and it's interesting in that yeah essentially they are all of remedies all those key remedy games are all third person shooters Mm, essentially aren't they but they've all got something 
interesting to say or an interesting perspective mm. and as you say a lot of them are sort of of a supernatural bent um mm. so yeah after max Payne, do we then come to alan wake i believe so, so yeah that was then and that's thing. one of your that was in development for ages one of your favorite games yeah. isn't it um you play a writer mm-hmm running around a place seemingly that's seemingly changing with his own writing yeah. and you weaponize a flashlight and you shine <laughs> them on the you shine them on the ghost guys and then that sort of takes their shields down and you can shoot them yeah but um i liked it but you love it mm. what about alan wake i know you said it's very different but what what specifically about it sort of really speaks to you still um I think it's just really um, the setting in general. I think really when you look at, uh, although it went through a very tough development stage, uh, you can see there's a lot of love put and care put into all the different pieces of it, you know, such as uh, the music. The writing isn't the best. I mean, Barry looks hideous, but, you know, <laughs> it's it's very kind of... Well, it is essentially a video game thriller, and I think it's it does mm. that really well. And I'm not a, really much of a thriller person anyway, but I think it's just um, the fact that the games that we do get that are based around that kind of thing, it's very different. And um, mm. I think considering that with the mechanics, the setting, it's probably, in my opinion, out of all the games made by Remedy, the most different and you know the most um difficult to connect and and, and unique yeah and yeah i think that's why i'm drawn to it as it's kind of ticks it ticks all the boxes i really want in a game great well um keep those in mind as we move forward because it'd be interesting to know how many of them control Hmm. um continues um but uh so the next game after that was quantum break which was an xbox one exclusive and i remember um sort of wanting to play it because I'd enjoyed Alan Wake but I couldn't I didn't have an Xbox One and one of the things it was known for was that it um, had a lot of full motion video in it didn't it it sort of had like a drama that you could act that mm. instead of just rendered cutscenes, it was a full-on televised mm. drama with actual <laughs> actors like one of which was um, I can't remember his name he's the guy who plays Littlefinger in Game of Thrones Katie um, he was the I think he was the antagonist. Mm. So you had this weird situation where the graphics were good enough so you could recognise the actors, but then instead of cutscenes, you had a real drama to watch, Mm. which was poorly written from what I could see and and not very enjoyable. (laughs) But that game garnered a much more mixed reception Mm. than Alan Wake. Um, What was your opinion on it, Harry? I think it it tried to go back to Max Payne, um, but without all the kind of slow-mo dodging and instead um, adding... uh, you know, like all these different time mechanics. And do you mean it went, tried to go back to Max Payne by sort of putting the shooting fo- yeah. um, mechanics so, front and centre? Yeah, so it was definitely an action-packed kind of yeah. shooter. But to be quite honest, out of all the Remedy games I've played, it is definitely the one I like the least. And I feel that um, whether it, it, it was to do with any of Microsoft's choices during development or anything like that... Um, it just, it definitely didn't fit into what I'd thought as a Remedy game. Definitely not the same quality um, as what I'd played. Was the, was the story not anything to write home about? Oh, the, well, the, the story was very odd. I mean, it tried to do, you know, the thing where there's multiple timelines and you're going back and forth and time gets mixed up, yeah. that kind of thing, which we've all seen 
done multiple times. It's a tough, it's yeah. a tough cookie to crack, isn't it? Because, like you say, it's so overdone mm. time travel. It's so hard and, to do it well. Yeah, to, for absolutely. It to feel satisfying. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Alan Wake sort of for you know i think it did have some flaws but it was dealing in narrative in an interesting way that was sort of its theme wasn't it yeah. um which was a lot more interesting and sort of set it apart slightly than oh let's just travel through time mm, yeah yeah so that sort of was a bit of a damp squib disappointed people mm. and then we can we come finally to control which is the game we're talking about today which came out last year Love it. i think mm-hmm. Is it last year? Yeah. yeah. Must be, yeah. Uh, oh, good. Thanks for looking up the stats, guys. <laughs> um, yeah, which um, is a, is even more challenging to describe in some way because mm. the concept is very out there. Um, it doesn't give you a lot of direction, even in the game, as to what's going on, does it? No. So it, it's sort of a difficult one to pin down right now. But we'll start with what it's broadly based on which are these um it's called the scp foundation they're sort of a collection of um fictional but very real feeling um anomalies that have been collected on the internet but um katie i think knows a lot more about it so do you want to let us know what they are the scp foundation yeah i think that you ben had initially mentioned this game to me and i and i didn't really know anything about it and on the surface and from a few playthroughs I've watched it it really didn't look like a game that I would pick up initially um but then Ben had mentioned to me that there was some loose tie-ins to SCP which brought back some like you know intense internet intense internet nostalgia because I used to read Hmm. a ton of the SCPs from their from their wiki online so yeah like you mentioned it's kind of a a very community led it's it's a wiki basically of yeah. stories collected from this SCP foundation of various anomalies and encounters with strange, you know, really unexplainable things in the world. But it's outside of just the stories, there's such a collection of like, you know, it's it's probably been going for the last five, six years. And it's grown to encompass so much lore outside of it. Hmm. And even when I was telling Ben this, like when I was kind of looking for some links between SCP and Control, even in the in the wiki forum where they're discussing things outside of the actual stories, people were still discussing not not the game, but the the corporate or the you know, the foundation, the federation inside the game and how they handled their control of the anomalies. It wasn't about the game. It was about, <laughs> you know, the, the characters inside and so, how they handled these outbreaks. So the the lore of the game sort of melded with their existing fiction and they've yeah. sort of taken it into... That's really great. At least I, I think it probably shows that Remedy did a good enough job of respecting that source material if it was sort of taken into the hearts by the fans of the existing yeah. content and it, and it's really you know it's discussed as it's not discussed as as fiction within the wiki um yeah. it's it's just kind of assumed that you know all the stories are all the stories are real and it's about this this kind of um government this foundation operating around us in the real world to yeah. scp secure contain and protect all these anomalies that are happening yeah. happening so. so 
so for someone who's not familiar with any of this sort of thing and they don't know what we're talking about when we talk about things like anomalies are, are there any examples that spring to mind of sort of a clear anomaly that's sort of logged on the website yeah it's it's sort of um i think that they're up to like four thousand separate stories wow of um they're not i wouldn't call it monsters it's um some i mean some of them are but it's just various unexplained events like more along the lines of maybe like a ufo would be yeah. or something that you would find in area 51 um one of the ones that i think makes an appearance in the control game one of the famous scps is a, a sort of like monster that they have in containment that the staff at this facility you always have to have someone watching this monster <laughs> yeah and you always have to have eyes on it and so i think in in the scp about this this anomaly this monster it's written from the perspective of a guard who's saying he can't leave he can't change his shift oh, because man. the new person hasn't come in and he's got to keep his eyes on this thing the whole time or else um all the all the things that are you're doing to control these anomalies is like you know if something doesn't go right to contain them it's like yeah it ranges from mild, mild inconvenience to death to like world ending phenomenon <laughs> so that's really cool i didn't realize that it was as direct a, a link as that because yeah there is a side mission in control um where you come across a man looking at a fridge which is one of the contained items and he's sort of just saying look i can't look away from it mm. you know i'm the next guy taking me uh coming to take over from me on this shift hasn't arrived but i can't stop looking at it or something will happen and i, I won't let you know how, how that mission continues but yeah that is a presumably a direct reference then yeah. to scp so I think are they often common, common tropes like that but what i was gonna what i was gonna say about this is um some people that i've that have only read a few of these it, it 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 seems like it's like a horror story at first like some of the monsters are just like a, a something lurking in in a dark room like ready to kill you but the i guess the weirdness in scp stories uh has always reminded me more of like stephen king horror i don't know if mm. either of you have read him but it's not anything meant to be like scary gotcha horror it's just kind yeah. of a surreal, uncanny, otherworldly thing, yeah. yeah, that makes you that makes you really uncomfortable for some of the stories. So it it also again, I don't know that much about Stephen King. Um, I, I've read bits and I've seen you know a few of the films, but I always feel Stephen King's work is very grounded in like Americana mm. and sort of the American um, kind of small rural town American weirdness. small town life, yeah. And that aesthetic carries over to things like Twin Peaks. Again, I don't know that much about it, but that's another parallel that's being drawn to control. The fact that idea of the rural small town American being a sort of cover to something more mm -hmm. surreal. Um, and I don't know if in SCP there are all these monsters and things that are going on. Are they often disguised as sort of mundane objects like the fridge in is that often how it works? Yeah, I think that some there for most of the stories there's there's kind of three classifications for anomalies. There's safe, which can be, you know, things that are even sometimes like ranging on funny, like a guy in a in a 
cactus costume or like a, a certain yeah. vine in a greenhouse disguised as something up to Euclid is the next level of things that could, you know, hurt you or do serious harm to other people to, I think, Keter is the final class of like, right. you know, this could break the fabric of reality type things. Huh. But once you're, yeah, and there's thrown in there various seemingly normal objects or people in all three classifications so cool yeah because i would say harry if we start moving on towards control itself most of the anomalies you see in the game do sort of take the guise of just normal everyday things Mm. don't they yeah definitely so control then it builds on this idea um from scp and posits that there's actually a secret government organization that's, con- as we say, controlling these things, trying to find them and lock them down and, you know, keep it, keep the general populace safe. And it's called the Federal Bureau of Control. Um, and in the game, um, the game starts off in, you know, the entranceway to the Federal uh, the Federal Bureau of Control, in their headquarters called the Oldest House. Um, and you pay, play a character called Jesse Fagan. Mm-hmm. Is it Fagan? Fa- is, it, I think, is it Faden or Fagan? Faden, maybe, yeah. Um, and she's she's gone there looking for her brother, um, but you know nothing more about her past than that. And the story is essentially her... She very early on, she ends up becoming, through means I won't spoil, this happens in the first 10 minutes, she ends up becoming the director of the Federal Bureau of Control. Um, And as the director, she sort of explores the oldest house and all of the various contained objects and sort of learns about what's going on, where they've come from. Um, There's also a sort of sinister force called the Hiss that has emerged as a, from, um, as a result of all this sort of experimenting and observing of these items that she's sort of working to take down. Um, and that's sort of the thrust of the story. It's, it's very open in some sense. You are sort of just exploring the oldest house, which as it itself is an anomalous object and shifts dramatically. Things move around a bit like the Hogwarts staircase, but even more crazy, like building, you know, wings of the place disappear and rooms completely change shape. So it's very, very strange in a really sort of engaging way. We get to know lots of different members of staff from the oldest house. Mm. So Harry, the story, what do you think? What were your impressions? Did you enjoy it? Well, my favourite thing about the game, which I felt, and it isn't a big thing, but I've never seen it done in a game before, um, was the fact that um, you kind of have these bits where it would close in onto her kind of around her like forehead region but a bit yeah. down so you could see kind of her eyes and it would do her inner thoughts and it was it was mm. really I mean, I mean games have done this before I'm pretty sure but it was the fact that this game told you nothing like absolutely yeah. nothing and as a character when I feel like most of the time when I'm playing a game if a character is, is saying something in their head usually I know why that why they are saying that you know what's um come of that with jesse especially at the beginning you're just like what is going on like because she'll just say something in her head and it's like hang on who what Eh?" yeah um and i think it's a really interesting piece of storytelling because you can't really do that in many different sorts of medias i suppose i mean yeah i I haven't seen it done in films before i may be wrong yeah um but i think it 
adds to such an interesting piece of storytelling and the fact that I think throughout the game um, I was always having the theory because this game is so bizarre I thought the entire game in the end could have been a fact that maybe she was just an insane woman in an asylum or something <laughs> like yeah, I honestly I... thought that because it was just so insane absolutely like yeah. some of the twists especially near the like end which I won't spoil yeah. yeah yeah exactly it did feel um, no spoilers again but it, it did feel towards the end a very unreliable story very unreliable yeah. um, and I was thinking what you know it was it is yeah you do immediately think um, that there is something going on with Jessie. I think what's really compelling about it is that she walks through the door into this, as you say, crazy situation, mm. but sort of navigates the whole thing. It's like normal weird, for her in, in a sense, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, immediate confidence, isn't it? Mm. And she she's going through, and that isn't to reveal anything about her past, but it really makes you feel... Oh, there is something here. There's mm. something about this situation that we don't fully understand. Why is she so comfortable in this world? Um, and you know, why is she still always in her head talking to herself? All these and all these questions do get answered um, to some extent, to varying extents. I, I would I would suggest. Um, so I think we're both agreed. Then Jessie is herself is a brilliant and engaging mm. protagonist, and I think on her own sort of generates a lot of the pull yeah. for the story. She is an odd character um, at first, I think. Um, because I feel like, especially when you first meet her, you think, oh no, here's generic character in black, you know, jacket with, yeah. with gun or whatever. Um, but I think as the, as the story gets about, you know, like if you get about to an, in about an hour through, you do, it, it Jesse becomes very interesting. I think it's a character. Fascinating. Mm. Completely. Um, what about some of the other characters? So the various people. You had the doctor, didn't that- you? Um, the doctor, yep. Yeah, um, oh, the British uh, woman who's working with the fungus under underground. Do you remember? Have you seen her yet? Uh, British? No, no, I have not. Oh, maybe that's a, that's a side. No, I, I haven't. Um, I have not met her yet. Um, there's like the head of security. Mm, yeah. There's the head of the containment cells where all the anomaly, uh, the anomalous objects are mm. kept. I think again, like Jesse, what makes them interesting is that. This world is insane. You know, there's a fridge that is terrorizing people. There's a television that's changing reality around everybody. And things are escaping from um, the various cells. Um, but it's almost like another day at work, isn't yeah, it, for it, all those yeah, employees? Yeah. So you go up and discuss with them and you expect them to be, you know, flipping out and going crazy and hunkering down. But then this is their job. This is their nine to five working in the Federal Bureau of Control. That's something- so you've got the. Go, go on. Finish. Go ahead and finish. No, no, that's that. That was it. Go on. Well, yeah, I was going to say that's that's also very similar to the SCP logo or lingo um, in each of the articles. Is that it's coming from like scientists who work there and security guards and personnel of the facility who, yeah, they just talk about it as routine, um, yeah, as routine occurrences. Absolutely, and that I think that really draws you into the world because it really makes you think. Oh my God, this has been going on for ages and gives it a real yeah authenticity where they're, they're just so a and and fine with it now um so i think that gives it a really good edge um and that brings me on to actually one of the things i especially like about the way the story is delivered is that um yes the character interactions are really strong 
but there is a lot of readable material that you can pick up, which are, I imagine, essentially lifted from SCP because they are case studies mm. of, of various things that have got that are happening in the building. And they sort of vary. So some think things might be a letter about, you know, just a conversational thing between two people about uh, a party they're planning, like just some office um, chat, which again is interesting in the context. But then, yeah, there are specific rundowns of of various anomalies, which which really add a layer of richness to everything. I'm not one. I think Harry agrees with me about this. I'm usually not one for sitting there and reading all of the various extracurricular content mm. in a game. Um, but controls, I read every shred of it because it was all brilliantly written. It was all really engaging, and you just wanted to find out more about that more about the building and more about the various things that were residing in it. Do you get Did a you chance get... to to kind of wander the building at your leisure and like discover these things or are you guided along a bit more linearly? Do you want to take that one, Harry? Um, well, it's actually quite different from other Remedy games. Usually you'd have that thing where you'd be guided along like Alan Wake and Quantum Break. But with, with her control, it was... I wouldn't say free roam, but it was more in that sense that you had these kind of, if you think about when you have these free roam games with multiple maps, it was a bit like that, except you kind of squeeze them down into building sizes. So, um, yeah, it was it was kind of the fact that you could go around and pick up these things at your own pace if you wanted to. Mm. I didn't usually pick them up, but um, no. you could do if you wanted to. It is generally quite open from relatively early that. on. You can <laughs> the, the buildings split up into different levels, and you can take lifts to to different areas. And then there's a sort of a, a smaller area that you can go around at your leisure. There are, in a sort of Metroidvania way, bits that are blocked off until you mm-hmm. have particular powers. Um, there definitely is a route it wants you to take, but there are. You know, you can go off the beaten path and find things. So there are um, one bit that, I, again, I won't spoil um, to any particular extent that reminds me of what you're saying is, I don't know if you've done this bit yet, Harry. Um, you go into the luck and probability department because what's so great about this game is that is all of these departments have really crazy names like parapsychology and luck and probability um, and uh, all different, you know, um, stratas of Sounds like fiction. the Ministry of Magic. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it's like. That's exactly what it's like. And you go into the luck and probability place and you find a um, a roulette wheel, which function, which is an anomaly, and you do just find it and it's there and there are things that then ensue, but they're entirely driven by the player um, and you can read about it and find out about it and interact with that room in a really organic way that feels like you're discovering that anomaly. Um, but... I would say that is. Have you did, have you done that bit yet, Harry? Uh, I don't think I have. No. Definitely good. I loved I loved that bit. Um, the rest of them. I mean, there are a couple like that. But the rest of them are sort of very formalized. This is your mission. Go and sort out this anomaly. This is a side mission. Go and sort out this anomaly, and then something scripted will happen. So I didn't find myself falling across loads of different anomalies. I found myself falling across lots of reading or lots of um, written notes about different anomalies. Um, but I, I don't think it would necessarily be fair to say that it's it's a free-for-all sort of like zoo of anomalies that you can go around exploring. It doesn't quite work like that. Would you agree, Harry? Uh, yeah, I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's sort of the general concept. So th- as it's a remedy game, as you might expect... 
the general way that you interact with the world is by shooting seven shades of proverbial out of it. Um, so, it, but instead of having a normal gun, because you're in the Federal Bureau of Control, you have something called the service weapon, uh, which I think is badass, <laughs> badass, I should say, because I'm British. Harry, tell us a little bit more about the service weapon. You don't like it, actually, do you? Uh, I do and I don't. Um, I, I think it's a very interesting weapon because, um, I mean, you can probably kind of see a little bit of it, not on guns, but in general in things like Quantum Break. But um, with Remedy, it's just a very interesting a game in con- um, gun in control. And I just think it's... The only disappointment I had with that gun was the fact that you couldn't select all these different weapons at one time. There wasn't anything like a weapon yeah. wheel. Um, but I th- Can you just explain to us wh- what is different about it than just getting a normal pistol? And well, it like game? transforms into these different weapons yeah. that you can craft, sort of. Um, and there's all these different versions. I only used the original, which is the kind of revolver type Um Oh. Yeah, it's called grip, yeah, isn't it? Grip. Yeah, so it has di- it has different firing modes, and it's it like the oldest house building. As that shifts around you, the gun itself can shift and change shape. So yeah, the the starting one is a traditional pistol mm, called grip. Yeah. What, what other bits are there? And I think it was the scatter was my second yeah. weapon, which was sort of like a charged up rail gun sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have the Oh, no, on. no, scatters, pierce, yeah, scatters the, the shotgun. shotgun, yeah, and then yeah. so yeah, so the pierce, and then you have scatter, which is that shotgun, which was was good at first, but you don't usually get close enough to enemies to use it, in my opinion. And then mm. we had your gun that you liked using, which was just sort of like submachine gun, which I hated. But, yeah, to be yeah. fair, and then because we we were playing it a bit, weren't you? And you shared, we shared the screen, and you took over, yeah. and you were like, "This is rubbish." <laughs> when you started using the machine gun, and then I couldn't get that out of my head, and then I thought, "Actually, this is rubbish." And then I leveled up um, grip, and once you level up grip, it's just much much better. Mm, yeah. I think. Yeah. So there's also a grenade launcher, isn't mm, there? And which is trash as well. Yeah. Are they the only types? I think there's one more, isn't there? I'm trying to think if there is. There's the charging snipery one, which you already spoke about, or did we not speak no, about that one? No, we did speak about that one. Yeah, I, I think those are those are the main ones. Yeah. Um, and it, like you say, you go on. Sorry. I, I was just going to ask, is it ever explained why, what this weapon is or why it can change <laughs> no. its form? No, <laughs> I don't think no, so. No, I th- it's I th- like it, an anomaly, it, isn't it? it? it yeah, well, no, it itself appears in the in the writing. So there is a case study for it. So it is one of the anomalies, yeah. Because um, that's something that I saw come up on the SCP forums a few times, speaking the from service the pers- weapon. Yeah, well, speaking from the you know the perspective of the SCP Federation of people saying, for the most part, the bureau is in over their heads. Their containment <laughs> procedures are outdated. They're using yeah. anomalous objects um, with no knowledge of them or why they work the way they do. Yeah. So that was a critique from the foundation <laughs> of this character using these objects and not knowing what they are. And that that is definitely reflected in the game generally. Like um yeah, the service weapon 
is the property of the director. So there was a director before Jesse, but as soon as Jesse becomes the director, that's her weapon. That's how the rule in the place. Um, but yes, regarding the containment procedures, there you know things are running amok all over the <laughs> oldest house. So I can see why someone would uh, would have that feeling. Um, but the gameplay then is. You go to someone, they'll give you a mission. Usually it's, look, this place has gone to shit. Can you help us sort it out? New director. And that will invent, essentially involve you going to a new place in the building, uh, cleansing it by killing all the hiss, the bad guys in there, and sort of tr- bringing it back to its um, state mm. be- uh, from beforehand. Um, and as you move through the story, you get various abilities. Um the combat then, Harry, let's move on to that. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. I really love it. Can you give us your impression? How does it work, the combat generally? Well, it's a massive, massive step up from what Quantum Break was. I feel like there was too much in Quantum Break to get... get mm. I mean, there was still quite a lot to some extent in, um, in Control, but it's nowhere near as distracting or irritating or anything. Um, I think that the combat is in a sense something we we've seen before to some extent i think it's a mash of a lot of different uh, games but i think it's done done very well um i mean i think the only com- um, complaint i had is sometimes when i uh try to use telekinesis i try to pick something up but then you sometimes have that bit where because there's nothing to pick up, she just picks a piece out of the wall, but then it wouldn't yeah. even come to me. Like I would just be holding nothing. That, and yeah. I'd be like, where is where is my piece of wall? That happened <laughs> to me a couple of times as well. Yeah, have we also uh, mentioned that this character can telekinetically yeah. move objects yeah. and <laughs> fly? It's so weird. She gets all sorts of different abilities as she cleanses these objects. Mm. They they give them to her. Um, the telekinesis is the best. What well, is the best one? Mm. It's so good. I mean, Harry's completely right. That's a, that's an ability you see in gaming all over the shop, um, picking things up and just throwing them. But I don't think I've enjoyed it as much mm. as in um, Control. For one, Harry's quite right in that it doesn't matter if you if there's not nothing big near you because if there isn't, she yeah. will rip a chunk out of the wall and just and and throw it. But it's so punchy mm. and immediate, and it, you really feel the impact and the speed that she can throw things. It's it's I love the sound maybe the most as well. The sound absolutely. Yeah, it's like a whoo, not a sound. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, exactly well done. And it does, <laughs> and it, um. <laughs> it, it really feels like it has impact and is a viable option like it's pretty much the main weapon mm. in some respects it does a lot of damage you, you flip between the both uh, between the gun and telekinesis all the time yeah so how I would tend to work was if I was dealing with something armoured I'd run in pick something up throw it at it which would sort of stun it and take its shield and then you'd get in close enough to start shooting it with the service weapon you also have a a dodge where she sort of darts around um, supernaturally and as Katie said a levitate which I know you're not too big a fan mm. of um, I quite liked it like it sort of has quite limited um, combat uses yeah I, I think. think a combat yeah. situation doesn't work in in, a, in gameplay in general to get around it's fine but I think when it comes yeah, so to it, it combat, unlocks no. yeah it unlocks lots of the oldest house for you as soon as you can levitate you can, you can get to different places um, but in combat, you can ascend to a certain locked position and then you can sort of float around, which does help sometimes. But, you know, if they, they, if 
they're going to shoot you on the ground or they're going to shoot you in the air. Mm. It doesn't actually really dodge anything to start floating. It sort of just puts you in a, gives you a slightly different perspective. But apart from the levitating, which I think is a bit underbaked, I think the combat's really fast, really visceral, mm. really fun, really, really fun. Um, I'm, I was really impressed with it. I enjoyed it a lot more than any Remedy combat system I've played. Mm. Um, but then you've played all of them, Harry. How, how does it rank for you? Would you regard it as, as good as Alan Wake's combat system? Well, I, I think I think they're both kind of hard to compare in a sense because they're both in a different genre. But I, I think... Polished wise, definitely um, uh, control is definitely a lot more kind of uh, polished and more inter- more kind of. I think I think it um, people would enjoy that more. I think as as mm. an element, I don't think people um, who you know might not play things like um, horrorish games like Alan Wake. Yeah, I don't think they'd enjoy the sort of you know burn away the darkness and shoot um but i think con- it's more accessible isn't well, exactly it, yeah and i i think effect. it's i think it's something that especially games nowadays we we all all understand from games like uncharted and things like that so yeah. i think uh yeah it's, it's it's i think it's a good combat system definitely yeah completely agree. i just wanted to say one thing cool. that i absolutely love about the game and it's it's a very weird thing to love but because it's in third person because um, as a player, you're not trying to get close to the hiss. You never really see what they are. Um, and I think mm. there's only one section in the game where they won't attack you and they'll just stand still and you can actually go to them and have a look at and see what they actually are. Because they yeah. appear, or most of them anyway, appear humanoid. So when you look at them, you think, well, I'm just attacking... A human. Well, they are humanoid, aren't yeah. they? Because the hiss has essentially taken over all of the members of staff of the bureau, yeah. isn't it? Um, yeah, and I, I think it's just a really interesting kind of idea that you never, mm. as I said, apart from that, that area, and apart from the, well, really all of them, you never really get to see them in detail because they're always fast, always moving. Yeah. Um, in the sense, a little bit, well, which is why um, you can see Remedy in Alan Wake and Control is they're very similar. In, in a sense, it's like um, the hiss is pretty much an orange version of the darkness from Alan Wake. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But I think... It adds to the mystery, doesn't it? Does, it does, definitely. You don't yeah. feel, feel like you understand the hits yeah. at all. But you do see, in other way, because everything's so slow-paced, or not slow-paced, but much slower than um, Control, you do, in a sense, see what they are. And there are even cutscenes which, you know, close up to what they actually look like. But in Control, there is n- uh, there's never a cutscene where you actually get to see up close what these things are. And I think yeah. as as a kind of thing that's quite scary. I think it's a really interesting idea. Whether that was done on purpose or whether that was actually, you know, just a thing that happened, I think it's it adds a lot to the game itself. Um, yeah, I completely agree. And as I say, it really does add to the sense of mystery mm. and alienness. You don't really know what they are. You never get a grip on them, yeah. even at the end. And actually, just to quickly tag something onto the story discussions before we move on to maybe some visual stuff, I would say if there's one thing about the game that, that lets me down slightly, and I don't think you agree with this, Harry, but let me know um, what you think, mm. is there is so much mystery in the game, which is brilliant, and it really makes you, really pulls you through the story. Part of me did feel a bit unclear and unsatisfied 
by the ending. Without going into any details, sort of what you think is going to happen happens to a large extent, and then you sort of let back into the world or whatever. Um, there was a, the ending sequence is amazing, and there are elements of the end that we've discussed which are stunning, mm. and I will remember them for a long, long time. But to me, it, it didn't feel like it quite lived up to the promise of some of those questions that it left in the beginning. Is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, definitely. I, I think, uh, especially at the beginning, as I was discussing earlier, I liked how it was all shrouded in mystery. Um, yeah. And I liked how, I ha- like as I said, in the first hour or two, you have no idea what on earth is going on. Um, but I think towards the end, when you've gone around practically the entire facility, you've seen a lot of the anomalies, you know, you know the basic story. I feel that it outstays its welcome. I feel that it's mm. just, you know, I, I'm, I, I think it's just, it lasts far too long. It's, it's like a bit like how Alan Wake was where, you know, it, it kind of, it didn't give you too much at the beginning, but it kind of explained yeah. it about quarter, quarter to halfway through what was roughly going on. And I think yeah. it's in a sense good that Control doesn't explain a lot. I like the sense of mystery, but I do feel that especially given that in the story you're given such a high power because you are practically the boss um and because you you know get to explore all these different places and there's barely i mean apart from you know all the dimensional stuff there's not really much you don't explore so i think it, it, it is kind of unfair that once you you know finish it it's like okay what did i actually learn from any of this what did i actually discover yeah not very much yeah, no, um, absolutely. Um, and I, in a way, it sets it up for a sequel mm. properly. Um, and there's DLC that's currently releasing at the moment, which I'm just definitely going to pick up. Um, so it's a world that I definitely want to continue to explore. Mm. So from that perspective, it definitely you know did its job. There was just, and I don't even want to say that the ending was bad because it wasn't. It was objectively really, really good. There was just because the quality of of the mystery and the writing had been so high. I felt slightly sort of, it, there was an element of anti-climax to the way um, the very end ended. Mm. But like I say, generally a very strong story. So the final thing before we move on to conclusions, let's just briefly talk about the visuals and maybe the performance. Mm. It's a good looking game, isn't it? A very, yeah, very good looking game yeah. from sort of a, te- a texture perspective. Mm. I think it employs new technology which i don't know i don't know if you know anything about this i I know nothing about the word ray tracing (laughs) uh that's a word that's being thrown around a lot for this coming generation and control was one of the newer games to Mm. employ um this generation i don't think it does much ray tracing on the ps4 but i think if you get it on a good pc Mm. there is ray tracing do you have any idea what that means um i remember a really nerdy friend trying to explain it to me (laughs) and I think at first, before he told me, I think it was something to do with God rays, but I don't think it is. Okay. I think it is to do with how lighting is reflected on objects, I believe. I think you're right. Yeah, it, this says, in computer graphics, ray tracing is rendering te- a rendering technique for generating an image by tracing the path of light as pixels in an image plane and simulating the effects of its encounters with virtual... Ob- don't know what I, I don't know. definitely understood all of that. <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, but there's a really good picture of a marble, which looks very high def. So something to do with lighting is the conclusion <laughs> we're going to have there. Um, but the long and short of it is it's a very, very good looking game. I think the character models are stunning. Mm. Um, the actress that they've captured for Jesse, I think, has got a really arresting and engaging face it's weird weird thing to say but i think there's something about her face which is just interesting Mm. yeah no i I agree um so visually very very strong but the flip side of that is perhaps because it was slightly ahead of its time um and maybe the you know the blackest mark on this game's scorecard is its performance Mm. which um when it first came out especially on base ps4s which i have it was allegedly unplayable yeah. because or nearly unplayable because of the frame rate which was very very inconsistent and dropping um all the time to levels that you know we, don't, we rarely extent. see yeah it's been patched a lot since then so it runs better now apparently so f- for us it was playable but there were definitely still parts where the frame rate was mm. tanking through the floor yeah. weren't there yeah. um, especially when you start li- and pause the game there's this weird kind yeah. of it's like the entire world breaks, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then you have this long pause before everything fixes itself again, which is still a yeah. weird performance thing that comes out it, of nowhere. It's a, it's a bizarre thing to see on this generation <laughs> here that when you pause it and when you unpause it, you have to wait a couple of seconds before you actually get back into the game. You can really feel that the PlayStation 4 is struggling to run <laughs> yeah. it, can't you? Um, I think I think the performance is better on the PS4 Pro, and I presume it's better again and and plays very well on on a very high end PC. Yeah. But this is the sort of game where if it gets re released on PS5, I will be snapping it up because I really want to see this game playing at its full possibility because mm. it's a really visually creative and stunning game. I just want it to be on the platform that can do it the most justice. So to just wrap things up, then, Harry. What's your sort of concluding thoughts? Is this a recommend? What, where do you stand here? Well, it's definitely one of my favourite games that I've picked up in a long time. I think it's it's something very different. Um, I'm really upset and disheartened to find it didn't sell well, which is yeah. really sad because I think it's it's definitely one of those hidden gem sort of thing. I mean, it's not technically hidden, but you know I mean? It's not... No, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's not the sort of game that is just picked up by everyone. No, no. Um, but I, I do... It, it does... It is quite sad because I, I do think it is a brilliant, brilliant game. Um, and I yeah. definitely... I think I'd definitely give it another run if there was more re-playability uh, value. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. It's actually quite a platinum or platinumable game platinumable game <laughs> um for those of you who are like me trophy uh hounds uh you can you, you can get there's nothing missable which is really good to hear um and very rare these days that, that you can play it through once on the normal difficulty and just you know finish everything up to get the platinum trophy which is really great so my overall impression, though, is as Harry's is, is that it's just it, it's a it's a remarkable game, and it is it is a shame how um, poorly it's sold. Mm. I'm hoping it will sort of have a, a fresh life at a, at a cheaper price, and as the word begins to spread, I'm hoping it still makes them decent money. Um, but it, I thoroughly recommend it for anyone who's a fan of sort of light horror or suspense or surrealism. Um, I think it, it 
it really hits those marks mm. effectively. It plays very well. It's very sharply written. Um, the time just flew by. There are rarely... I mean, it feel, I've said this pretty much every time because the, the main courses we've covered are all stunningly good games. Um, but, you know, time flies when you play this game. Mm. It really drags you into it. Um, I think it's trying something new and I think it is just a confident expression of, um, of, of the SCP ideals and this sort of science fiction. Um, so I would thoroughly recommend. Katie, from what we've said, and we've said quite a lot, um, what do you think? You like SCP. We've given you our full thoughts. Any chance you'll go to it? Yeah, I think it, it's, uh, it's good to have, you, to have you both here. And I have the chance to play the part of maybe some of our listeners who have not played this game and are thinking about if this is going to be something that they'll pick up. And I, my one hang up that I still have, maybe I should have brought this up earlier in gameplay. No, that's fine. You can do it now. Yeah. Just from some reviews I've seen is that you spend so much time fighting the hiss that you might not yeah. get a chance to really interact with or, you know, fight any of the actual anomalies in the game. Which I feel like is what would be, you know, the one of the biggest draws for me. Um, yeah, that's fair to say for sure. You definitely spend much more time fighting the hiss. Um, it it would be untrue to say though that you don't fight any of the anomalies, which you do um, on a couple of occasions. But you're right; it is very disproportionate. A lot of the time, you're cleansing these objects and shutting them down, but rarely are you well. It, you know, there there are times where some of these anomalies turn out to be something that you can actually fight mm. with your gun, um, but most of the time they're doing weird stuff that you sort of just have to stop. So it depends what you mean by fighting. Because I mean, for example, there's one of the more minor ones is a traffic a set of traffic oh, lights that, that escapes. One. I, I yeah, didn't um, use common sense in that at all. <laughs> <laughs> so th th this this is like side part of a side mission. So it's 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 not a big part of the game. But that escapes and and you find it at the end of this long corridor. Um, and the premise is is that it's it's lights change <laughs> and if it's on if it's on red or orange and you're moving, it hurts you and it zaps mm -hmm. you back to the beginning of the stage and you can only run towards it when it's at green. And then when you get to it, you can cleanse it. So that, that's sort of a simple version of you interacting with the anomaly, but you're not necessarily fighting this it. And there are, why, there are lots of things like that. This is why I worry about driving, because I didn't realise that I had to stop when it went red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I think, I I think that in that, in that vein, um, then I, yeah, I think I'd probably be more interested in whatever, you know, side quests. Maybe that'll be come, mm. come more in like DLC. And if, if they make a sequel, I would be much more interested in just these side quests and seeing seeing what's in the facility, probably more yeah. than the, like the main storyline. But hearing that you have, you know, a pretty generous amount of freedom to go around and explore. Yeah, I think that I, I would like to pick it up. Yeah great that's good to hear and you can just whack it on easy and actually i think even, i know you you don't usually like to play sort of shooty fighty games no, do you but not my um, maybe even i think it's good enough that even on if you just put it down to easy i think you'd find something to enjoy in there but it is the sort of game that i i think would 
would really benefit from a non-combat mode, a bit mm. like Assassin's Creed Odyssey. There's a mode you can go into where you've not got any weapons, you've not got any um, any way, you've not got any missions to go out and hunt people down. You're just going mm. around ancient Athens learning about the different yeah, places. It's I almost like that, an educational... That would be like the perfect version of this game for me. Is I, I don't really care about shooting zombie, yeah. light red things but i would love to just go through the facility and interact with the things there and it feels like they could quite easily just rip out all the combat and then that would be it because there's so much interest in just finding the documents laying around and and interacting with the objects so you know yeah i think that's an interesting position i hope they think about that hope they hear this podcast (laughs) re-releases yeah which they definitely will um just before we go on to dessert um harry i hear that there are rumblings from Remedy that something else might be on the horizon. Yeah. So it's, well, it could be anything. I mean, we all thought, uh, fans of Alan Wake all thought Control, oh, Alan Wake 2. Um, but no, um, but the thing that's actually quite interesting, um, I think it was either just not long after Control had been released or before, but because, um, but uh, Microsoft had the publishing rights to Alan Wake um, entirely so Remedy could easily make a game but they wouldn't, weren't able to just publish it and send it out um, Remedy has now got these rights back um, so they now have complete control of the property um, and it's just interesting whether we're going to get a sequel next which will be the next Remedy game um, or not because really control and you can you can see it really when you look at control is and even quantum break to some extent is that they were all Alan Wake concepts in the beginning. Um, and I think that it is quite a you know possibility that we could get Alan Wake 2. Um, or we could get another absolutely crazy, strange game like Control from yeah. Remedy. Um, but it's quite exciting, really, to think what, what we're going to have next from Remedy, whether it be... Definitely. You know, and um, it, it's cool... I didn't um, pick up on these because I'm not a big enough Alan Wake mm. fan, but there are direct references oh, yeah. to Alan Wake, yeah. aren't there, in Control? Um, so I, I sort of like to think that they exist sort of in the same mm. universe. And there, are, I think there are connections you can make between Control and Alan Wake just from a visual mm. and yeah. aesthetic point of view. So I'd hope that they continue, in, if, even if they go in a, direct, in a different direction, hope that mm. they can sort of tie it in in some well, way. I think with how far... Or, or when you look at the new game, uh, when you look at Control anyway, and then when you look at Alan Wake, they've come so far in what they can actually create. Like, if you see how um, developed Control is compared to Alan Wake, although Alan Wake is still, yeah. I think, a very good game. I mean, if you can imagine all that they've, you know, done um, into um, Control and put that sort of stuff into Alan Wake, I think it could be a stunning sequel. Um, and I think, agree. especially since we've had all these horror games come out, I'm not saying Alan Wake should be a you know terrifying Resident Evil Seven. Um, uh, I think that you know they could do a lot with it, and especially that in a sense, although it's probably you know not a game like that, but Control definitely has pushed the graphics barrier. Um, I think Alan Wake, especially on maybe the PS5, Xbox one no it's not xbox one x whatever the next one is series that's it um and terrible name yeah uh i think you know that it could it could do very well and i i think you know that they could definitely do something good with it they really could yeah 
No, I completely agree. And I'm really excited off the back of Control to um, find out what they're doing next. Mm. So um, we'll, we'll leave the conversation there. Thank you so much for joining us, Harry. Um, how can people find you online? Is there any online presence you want to share? No. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> then, um, but you, I know where they can find you online. They can find you at twitch.tv forward slash foxfight, where we play games Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Yeah. Um, so if you've enjoyed the classic bantering between Harry and I, <laughs> you can, <laughs> you, can uh, you can find more of it over at Twitch, and 8 I'm o'clock UK time. Chat. And Katie's always in the chat. So, yep, come along. It's, it'll be a fine old time. Anyway, thank you so much for being here, Harry. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you later. Yeah. And we'll be right back with dessert. And we're back for dessert. This is the section of the show where we discuss a game um, outside of the main topic that we've been playing, one we enjoyed and want to let you know about. So I went first last week, Katie. So what have you been playing? I'm going to guess that I don't need to give this game a lot of introduction. I'm going to keep this a a very short dessert, mostly because I've only had a chance to taste barely this game. If you've been following our our dramatic saga, you know that I am currently in America. Ben is currently in the UK. Um, We're stuck in our respective countries because of quarantine. And tragically, my Nintendo Switch is also stuck in the UK. Until this week, when it came in the mail, Ben packaged it up lovingly and sent it to me in America. So I have my Switch with me now. It has been an agonizing process because it sat in Chicago for three weeks. Spent, <laughs> I and then spent an afternoon in, in Oregon apparently it finally came to me. And I was bricking it because switches have gone through the roof in, um, in, in terms of how much they are to buy because they've become so popular in quarantine. So I thought someone's just gone, screw it, I'm going to take that home because it says it on the box. It says yeah, inside to, like, here. Declare is it... it for customs. Yeah, it says there's an Nintendo Switch in here, but thankfully it made it anyway. Sorry, Katie. Well, I, I didn't know it was coming and I was very surprised to have the UPS man drop off my Switch, which... Ben had preloaded with Animal Crossing New Horizons. So, of course, after I had a dessert of um, New Leaf a few weeks ago, I'm going to keep this very brief. New Horizons is my dessert for today. I've just gotten started on it literally like three days ago. So there's not a whole lot I can say outside of it's incredible. And I <laughs> love it so much. Um, I've been I've been very lucky that probably like six or seven of my friends who have been playing it since the game literally came out, um, have met up a few times with me and shared all kinds of things with me to get the game started. And it's been really fun. I think that if if Ben is a, is interested in this, maybe we could even have an episode of New Horizons as our main course at some point. Definitely. So let me know. Yeah, yeah. Let us know if you're interested in that. Um, yeah, I won't go too heavy into it, but outstanding game so far perfect game for quarantine definitely if you can if you can find a switch and if you can yeah. find the game look it up cool yeah i actually really want to play it at some stage as well so when you're back in the country maybe 
I'll give it a go. It does look really, really chill. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think it would be a it would be a good main course to to deal with. Um, maybe next week we'll yeah. see. Um, cool. Um, my dessert's quite small as well, actually. Um, so this is going to be. I mean, I suppose we went quite long in our meaty main course. Heavy. Um, it was like a big fruit cake. I feel like I feel like we don't. I feel like we're cake missing isn't the main course. Oh, are you yeah, talking British fruitcake or... No, 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 you're right, you're very right. Um, fruitcake is not a main course, I don't know what I was thinking. But my, Yeah, the point I was going to make is I think we are missing an opportunity when we don't compare the sections to specific food at any point. Mm. So yeah, I think that was a huge shepherd's pie's worth of main course. Yeah. Maybe it doesn't work that well. Um, my d- dessert is a game that I haven't played in many years. Um, I own it, again, on a few consoles. Um, It's a bit of an obscure indie game, and it's called Dust, an Elysian Tale. You heard of this one? No, I just heard you pretty much every time I called you this week, and you were like, I've just been playing Dust, an Elysian (laughs) Tale. (laughs) And it was said like that every time, but I didn't really hear what it was, so... (laughs) It's uh, it's an interesting little thing. Um, I'm sure it's quite cheap on PS4. It's a side-scroller, Metroidvania, so you're sort of re-entering different um, areas with newly acquired skills. Um, it's not that expansive. It's story-driven, largely. It's got a very linear path that you can follow to the end if you'd like. Um, but its USP is that it's got this really nice, painterly, almost Disney-esque visual style where all the characters are anthropomorphic animals and they all are animated quite nicely um and the story itself is quite dark um it's nothing to write home about it's quite good but it's it's not especially kid friendly there's a lot of murder in it um <laughs> well there's a lot of sort of uh, i suppose you don't see many people die but there's a lot of villagers being destroyed by Dear. war very so, different than the villagers in my dessert game this yeah. week. Yeah, um, but it's it's very gentle. There are some lights. Well, actually, I was going to say light side questing. There are loads of side quests to take on if you want. I didn't do anywhere near all of them. Um, but the primary mechanic is sword play. Um, it, it's essentially a, a, a beat-em-up with a sword. Mm-hmm. So you can... There, there are lots of, like basic combos you can do with square and triangle um and you've got a little sidekick who's sort of like a flying bat cross mouse who she can sort of she's called fidget she can shoot magic as well (laughs) there's the there's the two main um combat skills but the cool thing is is um with the triangle button he sort of spins his sword around and if you get fidget to shoot out a little bit of her magic and then you start spinning the sword, it sort of all gets diced up in his spinning blade and then just explodes out and kills loads of oh stuff. So he, he's, yeah, so he sort of heightens the fidget's magic with, with, um, with his sword, which, which works really well. And actually the animations in the combat are beautiful and they flow really well. Um, they're very snappy and fast. Um, and it's a really satisfying combat system. It's quite simple, but it, it packs a punch. It's quite challenging as well. Um, and I really enjoyed it. As I said, it it's a game I'm playing because I'm trying to get through my backlog of 113 games that I've not finished. So I'm not sure whether I would have dragged it out of uh, my PSN download list had I not been trying to finish every game I own. 
Um, I don't know why I'm doing that, actually. um, What better time? Yeah, I suppose so. But for what it's worth, I think it's a bit of a hidden gem. I think it's definitely worth playing. And if you're into side-scrollers, have a look at it. If for nothing else, just the lovely aesthetic. So, yeah, recommend. Nice. Definitely a game that's not, you know, anywhere on my radar. Um, Sure. But sounds cool. We love a good hidden gem dessert. Yeah, Good. So that was a light dessert. So that was more of a um, like, like a, a sorbet. sorbet or what, what? Parfait. What's the parfait? I think is the one I was trying to think of. Yeah, parfait. Yeah. Anyway, um, cool. Well, we'll end it there on that <laughs> stunning analogy. So as ever, thank you for joining me, Katie. Thank you, everybody else, for joining us. Katie, where can we find you on the socials? You can find me on my ever inactive Twitter at Cat K Fox. Um, you can find me streaming uh, on my Twitch channel, Crimsy, two Zs, two Es. I'm still, I'm getting very close to the end of um, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone for Game Boy Color. I'm also working on starting, I've had a few technical difficulties. I'm working on starting a stream of Graveyard Keeper on Mondays and Thursdays. And I'm always hanging out on Ben's Twitch channel in the chat, so... Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, um, my Twitch channel is twitch.tv forward slash foxfight. I think it's going to be changing within the month, but you have to wait two months before you can change it. Mm. So yeah, foxfight is where you can find us at the moment. Harry, who you just heard, um, is streaming with me um, on Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, and Sundays. So we'll be streaming tomorrow as well. Resident Evil 7, bricking it as ever. But yeah, come and join us. You can find me on Twitter at benfox91. And we'll leave it there. So I hope you all have a lovely week and stay safe. And we will speak with you soon. Bye. Bye.